the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. All through this Gospel, John is driving us toward belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope and pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Would you turn with me to John chapter 3? We're going to be reading the whole chapter of John chapter 3. We're continuing on in our series through the Gospel of John. John chapter 3 is our text for this morning. The whole thing, 36, all 36 of them we're going to read right now. Let's give our attention to God's word. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already 
because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Annon near Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the word of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Amen. When I was in high school, um, there were consistent advertisements for what I think was called the ab belt at the time. I don't know if you ever saw these, but the promise was that if you just put on the ab belt, there would be little electricity that would be shot into your abdominal muscles and they would contract and you would get ripped just by wearing the belt for 30 minutes a day. I did a Google search for ad belt on Wednesday of this week and the only advertisements on Facebook since since that period of time have been for the ad belt or various, you know, derivations thereof. Some are called the flex belt. One's called the power belt. It's more than you need to know about the belt. But the promise is this, that with very minimal effort, you're going to get these great results that all you have to do is invest a little bit of payment and a half hour a day where you put this on and where it makes your muscles contract and you are going to be ripped. Very minimal input, a lot of benefits. Now, I think that sometimes people think that Christianity is the same sort of way. You say the sinner's prayer, you put in minimal effort, and you get substantial benefit. That you're going to get all sorts of more benefit than you anticipated given the really low cost of entry. It's like an ab belt that you can put on now and again, and when you do, you're going to... uh, you're going to really experience being spiritually ripped, perpetual improvement with no real cost. We can subtly fall into this idea with regard to the gospel. We can adopt a a mentality that's no different from that of the culture, a live and let live, you only live once, keep out of my business sort of mentality. And we welcome Jesus and desire the improvement that he gives to us so long as he doesn't bother us. 
Now, John chapter 3 confronts us head on. If that is ever your mentality, it's sometimes mine. You know, I want the benefit without the cost. Jesus comes to us in John chapter 3 and tells us that the call to follow him is much more totalizing and much more costly than we might be tempted to believe. But also, the benefits are substantially more glorious than you could possibly imagine. Not just some spiritual strength, but life everlasting, life that is indestructible, a life that does not die. And so in John chapter three, we see that Jesus offers to us a new life with incredible blessings and freedom from drastic consequences and a new object of attention. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, more from Pastor Derek in our series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. We pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 3 offers to us, Jesus offers us first a new life. The reminder at the beginning of this section of scripture is that Jesus doesn't just ask that you once speak the sinner's prayer and then go on living like you have been living, but he calls you and me through his call to Nicodemus to be born again. There's something remarkable that happens. This learned religious leader comes to Jesus in the dark of night There was this man named Nicodemus. He's a ruler of the Jews described here in the scripture. He comes to Jesus by night and he uh, asks him some questions. Nicodemus is a member of the ruling authorities. He's one of the 70 member ruling body in Israel. This means that he was an exceedingly upright and moral man characterized by an obedience that the people took note of. He followed the commands of God. His obedience would have been an exacting one. And so they placed him on the ruling council among those who were the most obedient to God's ways and his law. His life would have been characterized by that. The public would have known him for this sort of strict ruling keeping. He was a Pharisee, we're told, in this section of scripture. So he was not a theological liberal. He would have believed in the resurrection. He would have had the entire Old Testament memorized. He would have believed in God's sovereignty and foreknowledge. He would have had a moral life that was in order and a theological life that was in order. And what's more than that, he comes at night. And and test this as you read it and consider it. It does seem to me as I read this that that indicates a sincerity of question. He doesn't come to oppose Jesus You know, in John chapter 1, there are people that are sent from the religious ruling elites to kind of get at what John is doing, and they question him openly and oppositionally in the presence of a lot of other people. And so it's not like that was something that was foreign to these religious leaders. If they wanted to question somebody with with regard
regard of kind of checking them and what they were doing, they could come at day and oppose him. There are plenty of stories throughout the Gospel of John and the other Gospels of Pharisees and teachers of the law and Sadducees coming to him to question him, to try to trip him up, to try to embarrass him in the presence of other people. But Nicodemus comes at night. He's not coming for a disputation with the Lord Jesus. He's not coming to be noticed. He's not coming at a time where media are going to be there to take a statement. TMZ isn't going to come there to snap photos of it and put it online. He comes at night, and as one person in our study group put it, the Pharisee is seeking the light in the dark of night. And so it certainly seems as though there's a genuineness to his question, an earnest desire to understand, not to oppose or disagree. And he says that everyone knows that Jesus is a teacher because no one would be able to do signs like Jesus is doing without being a teacher. And Jesus offers back this, this difficult truth, really telling him that he's more than a teacher and that what Nicodemus needs is not just a teacher, he needs a savior. Jesus doesn't offer him teaching. He says, you must be born again. Now, when you hear that, there's probably some connection in your own mind. If you think about somebody that says, you know, I'm a born again Christian, you probably think either, oh, they speak in tongues or, oh, there's definitely not going to be dancing at their wedding. But I'm not sure if that is sort of the way that you think about a person who says that they're born again. But that is the way that sort of, I think, culturally people assume that that's what it means. I'm a born again Christian. But when we kind of fall back to those assumptions of what that means, we can miss the power of that statement and what it is communicating to Nicodemus and therefore what it communicates to us. Let me just share two things about the new birth. First, first, the fact that Jesus calls Nicodemus and through calling him calling, calls us to a new birth means that there is nothing that you can do to become a part of the kingdom of God. Being a part of the kingdom of God is not based upon anything you've done. The fact that Nicodemus was told he needed to be born again means that there was nothing that he had done in his life that had merited the kingdom of God. None of his fastidious observance of the law, none of his moral stature, his theological correctness, none of that, none of that merited Nicodemus' participation in the kingdom of God. None of it made him any closer to salvation. He needed to start completely over. This is the difficulty of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ for all of those who have their life together already. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian or you're joining us online and you're not a Christian and you are a really, really good person and I, I believe that you may well be a very, very good person. You're no further ahead. You're no closer to salvation than someone who's in Cook County Jail over there in Lawndale right now. Through your good works and action, you can't get any closer to the kingdom of God. You need to be born again. And this strikes at the heart of what I hear from so many people that I share the gospel with. I remember there was a guy that I was doing improv with. I, I still pray for him regularly that he would come to faith in Jesus. And one time after a show, it was just him and me. We got into a long discussion about faith. And he said, yeah, I used to be a part of the church. Then I realized... That I can be a good person without Jesus. And what I tried to, yeah, what I tried to communicate was, 
You can't get any closer to the kingdom of God by your goodness. And yet, and yet, there's this popular notion that, you know what, I am a pretty good person and therefore that's enough. Well, Jesus looks at this teacher of the law and says, not enough, not enough. A life that is lived totally committed to keeping the law, a life that is committed totally to theological correctness is not enough. You're in the same place as somebody that has not done one good thing in the whole of their life. You both need to be born again. Maybe this is why tax collectors and sinners flock to Jesus, whereas the leader religious folks sought his destruction. Because with no positive righteousness, it may have been easier to say, in effect, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Second, being a part of the kingdom of God is a whole life, whole self reality. Your birth dictates who you are, what family you're a part of. A new birth indicates that there is a dramatic change to who you are. You're characterized by a new family, a new set of family behaviors, new relational connections, not based on flesh and blood, but based upon those that similarly, that likewise trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you're brought into this new family, there are new patterns of behavior. The way that a Christian looks is distinct, perhaps, from the way that your natural family might look. Being a Christian is different. It's something that's new. It's new birth. Tim Keller tells a story about my favorite theologian, Augustine. I hadn't heard the story before. Augustine... uh, you know, you might know that before he came to saving faith in Jesus, one of the big things that kept him from turning away from sin and trusting in the Lord Jesus is that Augustine was functionally a sex addict. And he talked about how he wanted salvation, but not yet. He wanted to continue to, he wanted to, continue to engage in sexual promiscuity. And it wasn't until he repented of that, gave that up, that he was converted and brought into following the Lord Jesus Christ. So Augustine was a sex addict, was converted. After his conversion, he went back to a city and saw a woman that he had been engaged in a, in a carnal relationship with. And she came up to him and noted that he was very warm and kind to her, that he was caring, but that he was very evidently not, naming, not aiming for anything illicit. There wasn't even the possibility of it in the course of the conversation. It was so different that the woman thought maybe he had mistaken her for somebody else. That as he was talking with her, maybe he thought that she was someone else, which is why he didn't make any sort of aggressive pass at her. And so he turned and walked away, and she called after him, Augustine, it's I. And he turned back at her and smiled, and he said, yes, but it is not I. Yes, but it is not I. And what he was communicating is that he had so completely changed. He had been born again. He was a part of a new family. He was characterized by new behaviors. And so as he encountered some of the sins of the past, he said, it's not me anymore. I don't do that anymore. I'm a new person. That's what the new birth is. Nicodemus is, I think, understandably confused by what Jesus is saying. And so he asks, how can this happen? And Jesus offers another prophecy. He says, In effect, he says, through my crucifixion. 
In John chapter 2, he had said, you destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. He was talking about his own body. He was saying, you're going to kill me. I'm going to rise again from the dead. He said, now, he says, now, just like the, the snake was lifted up in the wilderness, so will the son of man be lifted up. What he's saying is, last, you know, last chapter, he prophesied that he would die and be raised again. Here in John chapter 3, he prophesies how it's going to happen. He says, I'm going to be crucified. This is how the new birth happens through my crucifixion, through my death. And it shows us again how the natural birth and the new birth are related. For both, when you are born, you contribute nothing. When a baby is born, they don't help their mother out at all with that birthing process. Painfully so. You contribute nothing to your birth. You contribute nothing to your new birth. Instead, someone else experiences excruciating pain for you somebody else bleeds for you and you are delivered from darkness into light and the way that the new birth comes is by believing in the lord jesus christ and that takes us to our second point that we're born again into this new life and this new life has incredible blessings and freedom from very serious consequences. So here we come to perhaps the most well-known verse in scripture. And it's for good reason that it's so well-known. It's such a concise, beautiful statement of the good news. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's break that down. For God so loved the world, the passage begins by acknowledging that the love of God is prior to anything else. The love of God existed before the universe existed. The love of God shared among the Father and the Son and the Spirit overflowed into the good act of creation. God's love existed before the world existed and it existed before humanity existed. And despite the fact that we as humanity have given God myriad reasons not to love us, God still loves us. It's not conditioned on what we do. He is in his very nature love and he continues to love. God so loved the world and because of that love, he gave his only son. God's love is self-giving. God's love is always self-giving. Out of that love, God created the world. He created everything seen and unseen in all of its fullness and all of its grandeur and all of its majesty. And then he created as the crowning jewel of his creation, humanity, man and woman. And we rebelled and through this beautiful creation into futility. And yet God did not give up. Instead, he gave. He gave his son to save and redeem And Jesus came to earth and Jesus gave his body given for you at the cross. His blood shed on the cross for you. His righteousness given by his resurrection for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this tells us explicitly that there was a problem that Jesus the son came to fix. And that is the problem of perishing. That is the problem of death, the problem of dying. Sin always brings death and because humanity has sinned in whole through the sin of Adam and because each of us sin individually, we all die. And John 3.16 tells us that there is one way to escape death and it's to acknowledge that we have sinned. 
to acknowledge that we are those who need Jesus, who need his salvation, who need him to be lifted up on our behalf. That is a hard thing to do, to recognize our own need to be saved, to admit that we need the gospel. And yet, when we turn from sin, when we recognize sin, not just out there, not just in other people, but in ourselves, and give it over to God and say, I don't want my sin anymore, I want you instead, you are given an incredible blessing, eternal life, life that will not end. In the Gospel of John, things just keep getting better and better. The focus on belief continues to be there in every chapter, but each chapter gives to us belief in a specific way, in a specific light, with a particular grandeur and glory. In chapter 1, we're told that the disciples believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, that, that is the Messiah, that he is the hope of the people of Israel, and they begin to follow him. In John chapter 2, they believe that he is God. Later on in John chapter 2, they believe the scripture. They believe what the scripture say, what the scripture says. And here we're given even more information about what the, the meaning of this belief is that to all who believe, the promise is not just that you know a truth that other people don't get. No, the promise is that if you believe, you will never die. That's glorious. So trust Christ. Believe in the Son. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com